Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at the Vine. If I've not had a chance to to meet you, Lately, um, I say recently, uh, it's probably old news. My kids say that, that um, every time I say something's recent, it's actually pretty old because um, I'm old. Um, but that's what they say anyway. Um, but recently, there's been this, this trend on social media, and I would see go around on Instagram and on TikTok, that kind of thing, where it would show somebody doing something like an activity or a dance or something they were wearing or something, and it would say, he or she understood the assignment, has anyone heard that? Yeah, some of, some of you have heard that. He or she understood the assignment. Well, I became somewhat intrigued about that because I knew what that meant in normal English, but I was kind of like, what does that mean on this social media trend? And so I went to a very reliable source. The regular dictionary didn't have this. I went to a very reliable source, the Urban Dictionary. Okay, And here's what it said. Paraphrase slightly because I can't say everything it said, but here's what it said. Understood the assignment means a phrase used when someone is giving it 110%, whether it's what they're doing, what they're wearing, someone who is really on top of their stuff. It goes on to say that the the slang term is a popular way to praise someone who is going above and beyond to do a good job. It's pretty much like giving an A plus or a stamp of approval. Today, in our passage... We're going to see some people, some followers of Jesus, who understood the assignment. We're going to go to Acts chapter 11, look at verses 19 through 26. But as we go to there, I remind you that we're continuing in our series, The Power of the Church in the Face of Persecution. And and Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is telling in this passage about a group of people, those who had been scattered, you remember the persecution, and they scattered. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But they had been scattered because of that persecution. And as they were scattered, we see, they understood the assignment and and were doing great work. God was doing great work in and through them as a result of that. So we're going to look at these four characteristics of their ministry um, there because I think that should be the basis and the heart of our lives, and it should be the basis and the heart of the ministries that we engage in. So let's look there together, Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. And I remind you that this is God's word. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. 
As we look at this passage today, it's important that we understand and we embrace the assignment. In order to do that, I mentioned there are four things here that I want you to see that show us that these, these um, people, who had, these Christians who had scattered to Antioch and those who were being converted in Antioch, we, there's four things that show us they understood the assignment. Um, and those four things are going to be our four points this morning. I'm going to keep it simple. Those will be the four points, and then we'll talk about what that means for us. So the first thing we see, and kids, you, if you picked up the papers, you should have a place to make notes on this. But the first thing we see is that they were clear about their responsibility. Look at verses 19 through 20 again. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist also, preaching the Lord Jesus. In this story, in this series, um, we have, we've, talked, we've been going through um, Acts up until this point in chapter 11, and we talked about Stephen um, from back in Acts 7. Now, many of you were in here, but some of the kids weren't, maybe some others weren't either. Um, and so I want to remind you, if you don't know about Stephen, Stephen was a follower of Jesus. He was set apart to, um, to, to share about Jesus. And as he was doing so, remember what happened to him? He was stoned. He was killed for sharing about Jesus. And that's in Acts chapter 7. When Stephen was stoned, it goes on in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to say, on that day, a great persecution arose against the church. And then you remember that Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, the Apostle Paul, and we talk about, talked about that through this series, but Saul was entering house after house and dragging off men and women and throwing them into prison for believing things about Jesus. That's not something that right now here in the U.S. we've had to experience. Brothers and sisters, Christians around the world have, um, but we haven't. But the people we just read about in our passage, these are the people who were scattered. And you notice as they were scattered, they were speaking the word, preaching the word, the good news about Jesus. Now, when you talk about the good news about Jesus, when you, we use the term gospel, um, there's a lot of things that can be said about that. Um, I want to make sure just at its core we're on the same page when we say that. Because the heart of the gospel is, is the whole message of God's word. And that heart of the gospel is that God spoke all things into existence by his word, including us, that we were created in his image, that as we were created in his image, Adam and Eve, who were the, the father and mother of all, the, the representative um, for all mankind, Adam and Eve sinned, specifically Adam sinned. Because of his sin, we are all born with a sinful nature, and we all sin, right? That's a pretty helpless moment when we realize that. But the story continues that Jesus who came and lived a perfect life, only came because he was only able to be perfect because he was both God's son and fully man. He came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. That's the part we kind of remember, right? He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead. And then he sent his spirit to continue growing and changing us to look more and more like him, to give us strength to help make him known to those around us and to follow what he says is good for us in his word. All right, 
I lay all that out there to make sure we're all on the same page when we say, here's what they were going and saying. Here's what they were sharing, um, this good news about Jesus. But it says that most of those scattered were only telling this to other Jews. Then in verse 20, I think it gets interesting. Because in verse 20, it says, but there were some of them, you notice how I say that, you know, anytime in the Bible a phrase like this is used, it means some group of people did something different. I always think of the story, kids of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember them? Everybody was bowing down, but some of them, those three guys, they didn't bow down. They refused to. They said they would only bow to God. It's also kind of like in class, like if at the end of the day, a teacher's talking to another teacher and a teacher says, whew, that class was rough today, but there were some of them. There were a few of them. Some of the people, some of them, interestingly, these are people that were from the African city of Cyrene and then the, um, the island of Cyprus. It says, those people, as they were spread, as they went to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists. Everyone else was talking just to the Jews. They spoke to the Hellenists. And so what that means for us today is they were preaching the good news. They were talking about the good news. They were sharing the good news about Jesus to people who weren't Jews. And you see who's doing this? A friend of mine, older friend of mine says often, it wasn't the preacher dudes. This was the normal people. We know that because the apostles had stayed in Jerusalem when the, when the scattering happened. This was the normal people. <laughs> they went and shared about Jesus in everything, in every place they went, in everything they did. They had been scattered. They left their homes. They took their families with them and they ran for their lives. They were probably, and we don't have this recorded, but just to kind of get us in the frame of mind, they were probably thinking things like, where will we live? How are we going to work? What are we going to eat? We might get sick. Will we ever get to go back home? We don't know that that's exactly what they were thinking, but I guess there would probably be some things like that. But here's what we do know. That even though all that was going on, even though they were being spread and persecuted, these normal followers of Jesus were preaching, sharing, calling out, making sure everyone heard the good news of Jesus. That's what they were doing. They understood their responsibility. They, they understood the assignment. Even as they ran for their lives, even as they ran for the well, to, to protect their families. The second characteristic we see, so the second thing is the hand of the Lord was with them. Look back to verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and the great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, I want, to, I want to say this, that I've heard many people say things like, the hand of the Lord was with so-and-so. And so they, they make this assumption based on the fruit or the results that they see in that person's life and ministry. And, and I want to say this, that 
When we see ministry, when we see things going on, when we see fruit, it, it is because the hand of the Lord is at work. And sometimes we see that in, in overwhelming ways like we do in this passage, that a great number of them um, had been saved. But, but I also want to say something else so we don't miss this. Because I think it's our temptation, our bigger temptation to actually miss this, is that the hand of the Lord being with followers of Jesus is a description of what is true for God's people all the time. Jesus says he's with his followers. He doesn't leave us as orphans. And what's amazing here is, so it's true that Jesus is with his people all the time. He doesn't leave us. It's also true that sometimes the hand of the Lord becomes overwhelmingly evident in, as people are drawn to him. What is drawn out here is that these people came to Jesus not because they found out a way to get the hand of the Lord upon them. They came to Jesus because this is what he had done. Because the hand of the Lord was at work, just like we saw last week with Peter um, and the Gentiles. Remember, Peter hadn't even preached to finish. He just started a sermon and they believed. Why do I say all that? The hand of the Lord was with them as they were being persecuted. The hand of the Lord was with them as these normal people were being scattered. As they were suffering. As they complained about discomforts, the hand of the Lord was with them. And the hand of the Lord was with them as they spoke about Jesus. That's important for us to learn from. We can learn from that because sometimes when we're suffering or when things are hard, we kind of think, well, has the Lord left us? Has the hand of the Lord been removed from us? But Scripture as a whole teaches us he's not left you. He will continue to use you as you walk through these things that are before you. And as you share who he is, even in the midst of those things. And he will carry you through those things. All right, the third characteristic. So the third thing I'm on your papers, kids, is the grace of God was evident. The grace of God was evident. Look at verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, you remember last week, again, I'll, I'll mention it one more time. Last week, um, the Peter, who was like the lead apostle, um, had had a dream. Cornelius had a dream saying, send for Peter. Cornelius was this Gentile guy. Peter had a dream saying, go to Cornelius. Peter goes. He begins to preach. People are saved. But that's with like, the, that's the lead apostle, all right? Groundbreaking stuff, lead apostle, and, and this Gentile guy that God had kind of made, worked it all together very clearly. Okay, so that, that, that goes on last week. But I get the impression here that kind of at the same time that's going on, maybe Peter's come back already, maybe that's already happened, but they became aware of normal Christians who had been spread because of the persecution. Normal Christians were telling Gentiles about Jesus. And I think maybe there was a bit of concern in Jerusalem. Why are we talking to, remember a phrase last week, those people? Why are we doing that? It's likely news had gotten back to Jerusalem and people began to whisper things like, have you heard what's going on in Antioch? No, what? What's happening? 
a bunch of brothers and sisters, that is a bunch of followers of Jesus that were scattered. They're sharing Jesus with those unbelievers. You know, the ones we're not even supposed to be around. They're meeting with them. The Jews and the Gentiles together as one church. Kids, this is a moment in the movies where warning bells start going, start ringing, lights start flashing. Everybody's like, whoop, whoop, the music changes. You know what I'm talking about? That's the drama. That's, kind of, that's what's going on right here. It was one thing when Peter did it. That stretched the limit even then. But here, when, when pagans, people known for being against God, people that came from a place of Antioch, Antioch, which was known to be just a really bad, immoral place. When those people from that place started coming into the church as a bunch of the congregation were talking with them, were caring for them, sharing things with them, it it was time for the big church in Jerusalem to check things out. And so they sent Barnabas. But look what happens when he gets there. Go to verse 23. When he came and saw the grace of God... He was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Did you notice how Barnabas responded? He saw the grace of God, and he rejoiced. He saw the grace of God and he rejoiced. If the apostles had sent someone else, someone else from the Jerusalem church, that person might have seen something else. That person might have had a very different response. He might have seen the Jews and Gentiles eating together, not keeping the ceremonial laws, and instead of rejoicing, he might have been horrified. But Barnabas was a man who lived by God's grace. How do we know that? The passage says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. So when he got there, and I don't think it was a mistake that that's who they sent, but when he got there, he saw the grace of God and he rejoiced. Now, not only did he see the grace of God, you know what else he saw when he got there? We just talked about what Antioch was like. Antioch was also a trade center. A lot of people from a lot of different cultures and backgrounds were there together. But you you know what else he probably saw then? A lot of imperfect people doing a lot of imperfect things. He saw the grace of God was evident, but he saw, the way I term it a lot of times, some messed up people. You know how I know? Because if we look around this room, If you look around this room and you see anything other than a group of messed up people, some who have been redeemed and God is changing and growing, but a bunch of messed up people, then you're missing the point. Because that's all of us. Apart from the grace of God at work in us. We're good at hiding it sometimes on the outside. But we're imperfect too. Rather than focusing, though, on the imperfections and the problems, Barnabas, who was full of the Holy Spirit, who had received God's grace and love, demonstrated it to them. And he focused on God's grace in saving these people. He rejoiced at what God was doing, and then he began to encourage them to remain true to the Lord 
and to his word. That wasn't left out. But he came with grace and love. As Barnabas saw this, though, this is one of my favorite parts because he sees all this going on. He sees that a great number were added. We see that in verse 21 and verse 23. A great number were added to, to them daily. And Barnabas didn't say, I got this. I'll be the hero. No, Barnabas said, I need help. And he went to Tarsus and he got Saul. Now, yes, this is the same Saul who in chapter 8, verse 1, was the one persecuting and dragging Christians off. And if you've been here with us, you know that we saw the Lord come to Saul and, and change his heart and make him one of the most devout followers of Jesus. He writes all these things, but, but he, he plants these different churches. But God had changed him. But they don't necessarily, they might have heard that, but they haven't experienced that yet. Right? But Barnabas goes and gets Saul. Verse 25 through 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. I think that for us, many of us, if we were there in Antioch, we had, we had been the ones scattered. We went, we shared these things. These people were coming to Jesus, and we had been the ones in Antioch. If um, Barnabas and Saul showed up, I think we would say, we don't need you. We got this under control. We've been doing this without you for this whole time. Why are you here? And not only that, you brought Saul. You understand Saul's the reason we're in this situation to begin with. But the people of Antioch, because they had experienced God's grace, because they had experienced God's love, because the Spirit of God was at work among them, they were very teachable. We know that because Barnabas and Paul, Saul Paul, stayed for a whole year teaching them. They were very teachable. Teachable from Saul who had hurt them and Barnabas who had inserted himself into their lives. God's grace is evident when we're teachable from his authority and what he says is good for us. They wanted to grow. They were teachable to receive from, from Barnabas and from Saul. That leads to the final characteristic, the fourth thing we see. And the fourth thing is, is that they were known for the right thing. Look at the second half of verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. When we use the word Christians... When we use the word, word Christian in our culture, that really doesn't have a pleasant meaning anymore to the world around us. For many reasons, but that's a different sermon. But I want to specify what it means when we hear it here in this passage and why they were called that. You see, what they were known for was they were known for being the ones who followed Jesus. They understood the assignment. They were... Some people call this, when they read this, the little Christ or the, the, the little ones who were looking more and more like Christ, like Jesus. Why? Well, they were preaching, talking, telling about Jesus. They were known for the grace and love evident through their actions. 
They weren't worried about someone's background. They didn't worry about where someone was in their lives at the moment. They were exhibiting God's grace and his love as they shared the good news of Jesus. And they were concerned about making Jesus known and then walking together with steadfast purpose in this grace and love. Some of you probably know where I'm going with this. But are we, or as others see us engage in this world, who do they think we belong to? As others see us engage in this world, who do they think we belong to? It was evident that these people in Antioch belong to Jesus. And because they belong to him, because the gospel was preached and the gospel was embraced and lived out among one another and then towards the outsiders, it allowed them to say, there is a follower of Jesus. You see, when those of us who have been saved by grace act with less than grace, And when those of us who have been loved by God have no love for others, we're not going to be known for being followers of Jesus. The thing that will change that, the thing that will change us, is even in the midst of a compromised and corrupt generation, when we find ourselves committed to sharing the good news of Jesus and letting the gospel and the grace of that gospel influence us, these these can't just be words we say. We have to regularly, daily say, Lord, let these things impact and change us, that your grace and love might be evident as we interact with one another and as we interact with the world around us. So if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus... I want to say something that um, won't be shocking to you. I don't think, but I want to say it anyway. The people sitting around you are not fake. The people that are sitting around you are not fake. But they are imperfect. Let me say it differently. We are imperfect. We are asking the Lord, most of us, we're asking him to change us, to be full of grace and love, even as we proclaim Jesus and his truth, his good news. And so if you're sitting here today And your hold-up in coming to Jesus, your hold-up in acknowledging, yeah, I don't have any hope except for what Jesus has done for me. If your hold-up is, I don't want to become like one of them who just talk about being good all the time but don't care for or love one another and those around them, I want to say to you, the call is not to come and be perfect. The call is to come and to grow with us. The call is to come and help us grow. Because we are all, as we were singing earlier, in desperate need of Jesus every hour 
of every day. If you want to talk more about that, I'd be happy to talk with you following the service. But I also want to talk to the kids in here for a minute. When you're growing up, there's one question that you probably get asked more than any other question. Kids, look up here at me for just a minute, okay? Students, teenagers, everybody. Uh, When you're growing up, there's one question you probably get asked more than anything else. And it's, what do you want to be when you grow up? Exactly. (laughs) What do you want to be when you grow up? And when we get asked that question, there's, it's good to think about that, and it's good to plan for that. It's good to work hard for that. It's good to dream about that. All that's good. But I want you to know something. I want you to know what we are praying for you. What we are praying for you is that no matter what the answer to that question is that you end up being when you grow up, and the reality is many of us will be more than one thing, all right? But what we, what we want more than anything else is that when you grow up, you will be known for being a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus who's in the work world, a follower of Jesus who's a husband or wife, a follower of Jesus who's, um, who's a missionary, a follower of Jesus. I could go on and on and on. <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> But we want to be, we want you to be, we want God to work in you to be a follower of Jesus. And Andrew mentioned at the beginning of the service that this is our last Sunday in this ministry year. We start a new ministry year um, next week. And as we, as we think about that, you know, we celebrate a lot of things. And one of the things that I'm just so excited about is that we have had in this last ministry year, 18 babies born within our church family. That's pretty amazing. And that's cool by itself, right? But let me, let me go beyond that a little bit. We also have children's ministry that is growing. We have families that are doing just the, the hard, sometimes heart-wrenching work of foster care. Why? Because we believe that the most important thing for our children And for the children that God brings here is that when they grow up, they they are known for being followers of Jesus. It's why when when a student leaves here, we don't ever quit praying. It may seem like it sometimes, but we don't quit praying and we don't quit caring. Because we want these followers of Jesus, whether they're here or they're scattered throughout the world, we want them to be known for being followers of Jesus. Adults, what are we going to be when we grow up? We joke about that all the time as adults, right? What, are we gonna, what am I going to be when I grow up? I don't know the answer to that question in that sense, but I do know that we are known, we are to be known, are we most concerned about being known for being followers of Jesus? 
I celebrate again. There have been some of many of you who've jumped into new Bible studies and new times just diving in God's word and prayer groups, um, helping serve others, serving students. We've got student leaders who are trying to learn how to care for and disciple one another. We have people being mentors. We have these things are going on and we celebrate that. That is a joyful thing. And we want to continue to grow. I want to remind you of something Jesus said as I bring this to a close. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know the assignment said in different words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to grow in this. Our leadership's prayer is that we grow in this. Will you ask Jesus today to make you known for being one of his? And will you ask him to grow you in his grace and to change you to grow in love for one another? As we prepare for the Lord's table, I want to ask you just take a few moments. Think about those two things. Or maybe there's something else the Lord's put on your heart during this message. If that's where you need to go, go there. But if he's showing you, ask him to show you those places in which your primary concern is not about being known for being a follower of Jesus. And lay that before him as we prepare for the Lord's table. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.